You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is by rural leaders and for rural leaders. It is our goal every single week, week in and week out, to bring you uh, material and content that is not just spoken to the rural church, but is spoken by people who get it, people who have lived in, ministered in, and worked in these small out-of-the-way places building God's kingdom, whether you be a pastor, whether you're paid or unpaid, bivocational, volunteer, a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, someone who just wants to be better equipped to do God's work in a small town, we are here for you. We hope that you leave equipped and encouraged and uh, and are excited to jump into that with that in mind today. Uh, I'm your host, Joe Epley, and today we have the opportunity to have a conversation that is... Um, I don't even know how to label it, but probably not everyone's favorite subject, but it's the conversation about politics and how it affects the church, right? And across American history, especially, and history in general, there has been this question mark of of how and when do Christians engage in the governments they find themselves under. And yet, um, what we find is there's always two sides to every issue. And so I'm excited for one of those voices to be heard today. Uh, We are excited to interview today Pastor Jeremy Haroldson. He's also a state legislator um, for the state of Wyoming. And uh, we're super pumped to hear his take on why he chose the route of political involvement. And so um, before we get into his story, I'm just super pumped to even give voice to that, to to give us food for thought and all those things. But I just want to say, first of all, Pastor Jeremy, how you doing, sir? Good, Joe. Thank you so much for allowing me to come on today and have this conversation. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. It's, it's, it's good to partner uh, with the rural church, being a pastor of a rural church. Uh, I, I can't say enough how important it is that we don't lose sight of rural America and the importance of rural America. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I, I'm super stoked to just hear your story. And, uh, and I even know as we talked on the phone, um, you know, I really think, I mean, again, holding that dual role of pastor and state legislator is got to bring its own blessings and challenges and, and puts things in a new light. And so before we dive into that, though, um, let's just get some of your background, especially on the ministry side of things. Can you just kind of give us your, your ministry background and your connection to the rural church? Let's just start there. Absolutely. Thanks, Joe. Uh, ministry background. So born and raised in church, you know, those, there's those, some people that they, they tell their testimony like, wow, I wish I had that cool testimony. Uh, that wasn't so much me. I, I, I tell people I kind of had a drug issue. I was drugged to church every time the doors were opened by my parents. And, and so that was my life growing up. But whenever I was probably around 14 was the first time I actually could say that faith became real to me. It was the first time I ever said, you know what, this is my uh, faith. This is my relationship with Jesus Christ. And and at that point is actually kind of a, it was a bit of a turning point for me. I I committed my, my, my life, truly committed my life to the Lord. And out of that, uh, I had this kind of random act where I had a uh, Sunday school superintendent for our church growing up was like, hey, we can't find anyone to teach fifth, sixth, seventh grade boys. Oh, and sure. we know you just got out of that class, but could you take it over? <laughs> and so fifth, sixth and seventh grade boys, no one wanted to touch these kids because they're crazy and have way too much energy. And and so I took over a fifth, sixth, seventh grade boys class in eighth grade, I think it was, um, nice. and was able to uh, was able to start that. And I think we started with like five kids, five boys in that group. And and within about a year, I had about 25 boys. Wow. Uh, we were busting them all over the community. And, and what it was is I just 
I just said, let's let's dissect the word of God and make it real. And and it was really cool. It kind of gave me that that first glimpse of what it, spiritual leadership looked like in that realm. Fast forward a couple of years, just very involved in church and 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 through that, when I was probably around 22, um, I was a part of of kind of a church unraveling uh, and 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 just we've all been there. We've all seen it, the, the pain that comes out of that. And there was just kind of some people afloat and and out of that there was a a presbyter or assembly of god there was a presbyter that that came in and said hey you know what some people just need some just some some loving on and some help and so they started kind of uh, a bible study if you want to call it that that's all it really sure, was and, sure. and it was probably six months of just kind of meeting and 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 healing and and a lot of the people chose not to be healed that's because obviously we all have those choices sure, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and they didn't do that they chose not to be. And, but we started finding people coming in that had no idea what had happened. And just, it just kind of started molding into its own church structure. And so I was a part of a church plant uh, that next year uh, in, a, in a community. Of, so I, I'm from Wheatland, Wyoming, a, a town okay. of around 3,500 in a county of 8,500. Right. Uh, so when we say rural, we mean rural. There's way more yeah, cabin yeah, sure. than there are for people. Sure. And so that, that started. I never thought, pastor, I never thought, leadership. Uh, I just thought, you know what, God, if you want to use me, I'm hands and feet. I'll do whatever it takes. Uh, if there's a slot, whatever that is. My first job was uh, in the church was I ran uh, nursery and, and kids ministry because no one wanted to do it. So I'm like, yeah, I'm in. Um, right. And then, and then it, it just it just meld to, you know, what? why don't you be a board member? I was elected as a board member. I was part of the sure. incorpor incorporating of the church. And, and that continued for a number of years. And then I felt a call to actually pursue ministry. So I went back to school, went to seminary and uh, pursued that. And uh, about seven years ago, uh, it shifted to the point where I had to make a decision, continue in my, uh, my Monday through Friday job or, step out of that, go into full-time ministry. The pastor that helped plant the church was at retirement age. And he said, you know, Jeremy, I'd love for you to be a part of this more in a, in a full-time pastorate realm. I was an associate pastor at that time, working full-time as a mechanic welder. And uh, I stepped out of mechanic welder and, and full-time into ministry seven years ago. So that's kind of Sorry, I know that's a long addition, but that's how we no, went from ministry on just volunteer basis to ministry in an actual vocational basis. Yeah, and so obviously, yeah, lead pastor in Wheatland for the last seven years, and so now let's uh, let's acquaint people with the other half of your journey, um, because obviously part of the reason for this uh, podcast today is to talk about this intermingling, this meeting of faith and politics and political action, and so maybe. Um, can you tell us about your role as state legislator and and the timeline of how you ended up there? You know, let's just tell that story. Uh, seven years ago, got into the pastorate realm and walked that out with one very big passion, and that was community involvement. Mm -hmm. and I said, you know, I want to be involved in the community. If you're not involved in your community, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak to other pastors real quick, very directly, and say, um, if you're not involved in your community in some way, uh, I challenge you to do that. You know what? If you don't know the mayor of the town that you pastor in, go find 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 out who the mayor is. Find out how the how to help the the city council. Find out who your county commissioners are. Go out and get involved in the political realm. If nothing else, just in the realm of understanding what they go through, mm -hmm. and offering yourself as a church to be an asset to them. And mm -hmm. that's how it started. I just got involved in the political realm by offering us as impact. The church I pastor's name is Impact. Us as impact to be an asset to the community. 
Mm. And so because of that, I found myself in county commissioners meetings and city council meetings, sure. just asking questions, being involved, finding that there was a need for um, mentorship and influence in these realms. Uh, and so I went into the 2020 year saying, you know what, I think I'm going to run for a county commissioner slot or a city sure, uh, or yeah. a school board member position thinking I'm just going to get my feet wet in this political realm. I, I'm already somewhat of acquainted with it. I understand the the need for for that to to be, I mean, for, for wise counsel to be in these positions. Sure. And so 2020 rolled around. We all know what happened in 2020. The entire world decided to fall on its face and and we had to kind of pick up the pieces emotionally for the communities that we pastor and and are serving in and also for the the states and the nation around us and so when 2020 hit and COVID hit it was obviously the two weeks to stop slow the spread concept and we're like man we right. don't know what this is you need to understand my heart i'm not at all a conspiracy theorist but sure. i also am not the person who's like diving in full-fledged i'll do whatever you say government because that's just not my personality but i was like you know what this this sounds like intelligence we don't know what we're up against two weeks sure. so i just told the church i said you know what we luckily had a, a very robust live program already so we didn't have our first week look like a uh a, mm, the classic a, home video from the 80s or whatever it was, home, you know, the, the home video from the 80s, or yeah. I always joke and, and say it looked like a terrorist video um, where we, we didn't do that. So we were in a good shape there. So I said, hey, you know what, if you're at all concerned, you know, just ask, stay home, watch our live. If you can't get the live, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, if you really want to be a church, we understand we're okay with that. But let's just try lower our numbers. Let's just be intelligent. Sure. And so two weeks passed, didn't see what they said might come down the pike. Three weeks passed, didn't see. Four weeks passed, and I'm getting upset because I'm finding that we're, we're dealing with some mental illness issues. Sure, uh, people sure. are just isolated. People are struggling, not so much from our church directly because we were really trying to be involved um, as much as we could from a distance. But across the, the whole board in, this, in the community, I'm realizing as I'm going to the hospital and, and meeting with people who had attempted suicides and, and mental illness and just some really sad places, I said, we need to stop and, and actually take a, a look at this. So I contacted the people I felt we should contact. I contacted the mayor, I contacted my commissioners, I talked, contacted my city council, and then I kept going and I contacted my governor and my rep. And I said, hey, you know what? As a representative, you have the ability to call a special session to fix what we're sure. dealing with right now in the realm of an overstep from a, a health department sure, uh, sure. point of view. The governor, you know what? You can call that special session. Let's make this happen. Let's fix this problem. And out of that conversation, I, I pretty much had an individual, my my rep, tell me, "You don't know what you're talking about. Let me be the representative. You be the you be the pastor." Sure. If you know my personality, you know that <laughs> again, you probably well. didn't take that very well. Yeah, exactly. No. Sure. No, I actually I went home and I, I complained to my wife, and I'm like, "What are we gonna do?" And uh, and I'm like, "I'm gonna find someone to run against him." And so I prayed about it and I looked and I prayed about it and I looked and I just kept getting this in my spirit. You're going to run against them. And I'm like, but God, I'm a pastor. How yeah. could I be a politician and a pastor? I mean, it, school board's one thing, but pastoring and a legislator, I mean, a, a statewide elected or a, a state level elected official. And, and so I gave God all the reasons why it wouldn't work. Sure. And then in that moment, um, I said, God, this is it. You know, I'll be obedient. I've learned obedient obedience. Sure. If you want this to happen, then you got to send someone into my life to to just, I mean, to speak to this area and make it very obviously yours. And I and I've been using a phrase with God that uh, that 
I, I just needed to have wisdom on if I should go into the next great adventure. Sure. That's the phrase I used with God. And so two days after I made that prayer, I had an individual from my church walk or call me actually and said, Jeremy, he goes, I, I really feel like I got a word from you from the Lord. And you need to understand this guy's not that type. I mean, this guy's right. right. Very, very, uh, what's the word? Kind of one, one shot here. You know, it's just like, this is not expected. Exactly. And I'm like, okay. And I, at this point, I didn't remember the conversation God and I had two days earlier. And he says, I just feel like God's wanting me to tell you it's okay to go on the next great adventure. Oh, wow. And I sat there and went, I mean, he, God used my phrase wow. uh, that I've been using with God through this guy. And I'm like, that is, that's beyond coincidence. Obviously that's Holy Spirit yeah. led. And, yeah. and I said, okay. And I asked what, what more he goes, I just really feel like you're standing on the edge of a cliff and telling God all the reasons why you can't jump. And so I, I turned around and I, and I put, uh, I applied for the position as far as uh, putting my name in the hat for the election and proceeded to win that election that fall by a, by a landslide. It was a, it was a very heavily um, I, I, I won pretty, pretty solidly against an sure. eight year incumbent, which was unheard of. Sure. And so that started in 2020, my adventure, uh, the next great adventure of being a legislator as well as a pastor. So I've been legislating now for three years and senior pastoring for seven. Nice. Well, and thank you for, again, bringing that to our attention, because this is, again, this is the topic at hand is this, is this interchange is like you, you walk in one room and you're looking at a flock and you're looking at a congregation saying, how do I pastor? How do I love? How do I lead? Um, but at the same time, you're pursuing this other route and saying, hey, how do I, again, do, do a lot of these same goals is to care and to love and to lead and to shine the light of Jesus. And so, um, you know, I hope that some people, even at this point in the conversation, uh, do raise an eyebrow and say, "Yeah, what? What about my own discomfort?" This because the point of this topic is to wrestle, right? Is to is to look and say, "What could we do? What what should we be doing?" And even from your story, I mean, regardless of how we feel, you know, on either side of this issue, it appears that up to this point, like you worked pretty hard to be led by the Spirit of God and like jump into it with that kind of leading, and and that's really powerful, you know, to to speak to. So. Well, hey, let's uh, let's let's dive into this because again, it's it's the highlighting this perspective. So let's start with the biblical foundation, right? Because obviously, again, your choice to say I'm a pastor and I'm going to engage in the political sphere, uh, some people even by default might just say I don't know about that. And so let's talk biblical foundation. When you look at Scripture, where do you see the principles, the guiding verses, the the concepts that push you towards political action? Absolutely. So I think that the biggest one that that I think we can stand on is Proverbs 29 too. And it, it says, uh, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. And, and I think that that statement, when the righteous are in authority, when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. Um, if we go back to our founding fathers, the Black Robe Regiment, which was the pastors that spoke out against the tyranny of England, we got to see righteous men and women in positions of influence in the political realm. Uh, obviously, the, the founding of our nation, we didn't see women in that realm of maybe a, a, an elected sure. position. But what we did see was the, in a lot of ways, that spiritual co-laborer in those positions. If you read the diaries of our founding fathers, uh, their, their mothers and their wives played a huge role in that as well. Um, were all of the founding fathers Christians? No, 
They weren't, sure. but there was a large amount that were. And plus, we got to see another aspect, and that was the fact that the founding fathers understood that a nation neither rises nor falls without the aid of the Almighty. And so sure. Proverbs 29.2 makes that very clear. When the righteous are in authority, when they're in, in that position of authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Um, and then furthermore, if you jump over into Romans 13, starting in verse 1, let everyone be subject to government authorities. Uh, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authority that exists may have been established, that exists has been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against that which God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Uh, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong, do you not want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for the good. And it goes on and, and continues through the seventh uh, verse there in, in Romans 13, 1 through 7. But one thing that you have to understand is we are called to be in submission to authority. And I think that sure. right now everyone's like, yeah, of course, we understand that. But the thing that I have a question about is this. When we see, when we see unrighteous rulers sure. in positions of authority, how hard is it to submit to that authority? It's incredibly hard because we sit there and go, well, they're, they're not they're not biblically accurate in a lot of ways. As far as the, the sure. moral fabric that we have as Christians, we see that um, being being severed and rent in our day and age. We see all these things. But God is calling us to be in submission to authority. But yet at the same time, he says when righteous rule that we have a land that rejoices. Sure. And so I think that very clearly the the goal or the job of christians is to be able to be influencers in every sphere of authority in this in this sure. world you know what I, I hear people are like man hollywood's a mess i agree hollywood sure. is a mess why is it a mess probably because the christians weren't doing their job oh, uh sure. and 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 i and I'll, I'll be honest with you i'm not you need to understand my personality i will call a spade a spade you know sure. what why and, and for me it was a deal why is the government a mess well the government's a mess because because godly men and women stepped out of the role of influencing that sphere. And so we don't have time, I mean, but I can, I can actually, we could, I can get Joe a list of scriptures that we can post with this, people can see. But there's, there's time after time that we get to see opportunities for righteous to rule and then blessing to fall upon the land, unrighteous oh, sure. to rule, and there to be, uh, to be that, that, severing of favor sure. on a nation. Sure. And so is there a direct one Thou shalt be in government? No, you're not going to find okay. that in scripture, yeah, sure. but you find the concepts laced throughout scripture of righteous ruling and the blessings that come from it, unrighteous sure. ruling and the fallout that comes throughout all of old Testament history. And even if you look at some of the new Testament, you find where influencing, obviously, Roman culture was really hard for it isn't like there was an election that happened. Right, but what right, right. you did see is you did see righteous, godly individuals influencing those in authority and those in government. Sure, sure. Yeah. And honestly, thank you for sharing that again. Uh, the fun thing about this this uh, podcast is we, we do, we get to air that perspective and, and let people sort through it. And so thank you for taking us on the journey of like, you know, that thread that you've chased through scripture that you're like, man, I, I feel like this kind of gives us room and, and obligation and duty to step into some of these realms. And so, um, well, good. Well, uh, let's talk a few uh, other things then. So uh, the elephant in the room with this conversation is, um, have you ever had people push back against you for engaging in politics? And what is your 
kind of response to that, you know, because again, some people might look at you and still say, eh, I don't think you're, you know, they're going to push. And so what is your response to that, you know, and, and have you experienced that opposition? Yeah, so absolutely. I've experienced that. So one of the issues that we we're going to have to go back in history for a second. Um, there is a misconception, the phrase separation of church and state. So sure. that is, I've had many people say, well, it's unconstitutional for a pastor to be a legislator because there's a separation of church and state. That's constitutional. Oh, That's sure. actually not true. The Constitution is completely quiet about this topic. But what did happen is there was a position that was given to a Baptist church by Thomas Jefferson, and they said, you know, we've heard there's going to be a national faith or natural national religion. And uh, the Pillsbury Baptist Church is like, we're concerned about this. We, this is what we died for, this is what we sure, fought sure. for, religious freedom, among other things. And in that reply letter, Thomas Jefferson said a lot, but in there, there was a phrase. He says, basically, there will be a separation of church and state. So what he meant by that is the government will not dictate upon the church how they are to uh, believe, exercise their religion, or sure. establish the tenets of their faith. And so that was just saying, hey, government's hands off on, on, on church. Nowhere in that did that say church was hands off on government. That was, that was very clearly, if you go through our founding fathers' statements throughout the history of, of the founding of our nation, it was very clear they wanted the influence of the gospel, the influence of the word of God, and the influence of godly men and women in that role. And I know I'm going back to the last question when I talk about that. Right. No, but that's, um, and this is an extension, you know, you get that pushback, you know? Exactly. And so as people are like, man, there's, why does a pastor stand in a legislative position when there should be a separation of church and state? And so a big part of it's been education. Hey, you know what? There is not a separation of church and state in the realm of the church in the government. There's only a separation of church and state in the government and the church. So the next question people say is, well, what about your 501c3 and being sure, honest yep. and blunt I know about, I've heard that concern before, yep. Yep, politics from the pulpit. And the truth of the matter is, is the Johnson Act, which is what established the parameters, if you want to call it that, political parameters on 501c3, is an unconstitutional act that's never been enforced. And the reason it's never been enforced is it holds no constitutional muster. It's a direct breach of our First Amendment rights, our, our, our right to uh, free speech. And so that is, it's a, it's a club they've held over the church for a long time saying, oh, you can't, you can't talk about fill in the blank. You can't talk about this, that, or the other thing. You know, every person in, in the United States has the freedom of speech, which is something that your founding fathers died for you to be able to have. And so the, the kickback that I've received have been along those lines. Now, the good news is I walked out this conversation with my church before I ran. Oh, sure. I wanted my church to have my board, my church to be very much involved in this process. Sure. Um, and so as a whole, my church, I've not had anyone inside my fellowship that are like, man, we got major concerns. Um, they view it as a mission field, a mission field oh, sure. that they've sent a pastor into. Uh, and it's a way that they can influence and reach a, a broader spectrum of um, their Jerusalem, if you want to call it that. Sure. And yeah. so... Uh, so that's been good. But outside of that, you get a little bit of kickback of why why is the pastor in the, in the legislative position? But uh, as a whole, when you start combating their their conversation oh, sure. pieces with truth, um, majority of the time they go, well, that makes sense. And, and we guess we never saw it that way. Sure. OK, well, cool. Yeah. Again, thank you for sharing that perspective. 
my next question then is uh, a lot of people are going to wonder, you know, uh, there's the classic statement of like, you know, just because you can doesn't mean you should, you know what I'm saying? And so some people, some people might say, yeah, maybe we could be involved in the political sphere, but is it going to make, you know, that big of a difference? Is it going to open those doors? And so can you maybe highlight uh, some of the ways that, that you've had opportunity to minister, not just as a pastor, but through your role as legislator, can you maybe, uh, you know, help us, help us see some of that fruit, you know? Absolutely. Uh, so whenever I first got into it, that was one of my concerns. If we're being 100% honest, I didn't want it to be a deal where I slid too sure, much of sure. my time away from the church. And and is the church going to suffer because of this? And and all of those, those, <clears throat> those questions. And so let me put a little bit of a precursor on this. My, my church is a church that runs probably around 150 on a Sunday morning with probably about that again in our digital realm. And so we're not a small church. We're not a huge church. Um, I do have some staff, no, not not full-time staff pastors, but tar- part-time staff pastors. Uh, and so that kind of gives you a little perspective sure, of where we're sure. at. Could you do it at any level? I do believe you can. And the reason I say this is because um, how you in how you prepare your team for uh, the next steps is vitally important. If you're if if you don't if you can't um, step out of the pulpit and and this is it. I I preach a majority of the Sundays through sessions still because I'm only an hour away from the capital, sure, sure. Uh, which gives me that freedom to do that. Um, so I'm I'm involved in my church. But as I sat there and went, you know, God, is this going to really hurt the church? Uh, I felt some freedom after that conversation with that gentleman in my church. But I still had that in the back of my mind. And, and so as I walked into the legislation, I say, God, what is this going to look like? How is this going to hurt or help the church and, and hurt or help ministry? And one of the things that I have found to be true is I don't pastor uh, 300 people anymore, sure. 400 people anymore. I pastor 9,800 people. Oh, wow. I now have the opportunity to speak into an entire house district, an entire sure. congressional district. And so the cool part is, is I, I am the per- same person. If I'm on the legislative floor, I'm a pastor on the legislative right, floor. Right. Right? I don't quit being a pastor to become a legislator. You've got a pastor who's a legislator. And so it, it has given me the opportunity to step into those areas and speak as a pastor into areas of morality, into areas of hurting and lost people. I've had opportunities to uh, to minister that that are just quite um awe-inspiring if you want to call it that because it opens up that sphere of influence i ha- i now can have conversations with with pretty much anyone about the gospel because they know who i am they know where i stand i've been very honest and open about that and so if anything it's opened the doors for for me to be able to minister in ways that i've never been able to minister uh, before as a pastor and so uh, i think one of our biggest hurdles as the as pastoring in the church of today is how does the church have influence outside of its walls sure. and and we can talk about all the campaigns and structure that we go through to make that become reality but it's hard to to be able to do that so this is giving us the opportunity or giving me the opportunity to minister outside the four walls of the church in ways that i i've never been able to before awesome yeah and again it's it's important to highlight those things because um, you know, if we if we remove all qualifiers, you know, whether it's political sphere, cultural sphere, artistic, uh, sports, you know, like we 
we do believe that no matter what, Christians should be stepping out into the world and 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 sharing and living out the truth of the gospel. And so, again, from your perspective and from your story, it seems like this is just another extension of of what it means to follow Jesus and represent him wherever you go. Um, well, Absolutely. the last uh, the last question I want to ask is about something you specifically mentioned uh, when we talked on the phone. You talked about being able to provide a moral perspective on you know legislation presented in the Wyoming Congress. Um, how important do you think it is for pastors to kind of take this moral perspective? And how important do you think it is for pastors to speak on you know moral issues directly? Like, like what value does that add? Because again, some pastors are going to say. Yeah, I believe there's a certain place for addressing the cultural issues today, and I'm not sure if that's the pulpit or somewhere else. You know, and and we think about it, you know, and it's and it's okay to to have that, you know, that back and forth. But but again, this is why we're here is to hear one side of that perspective. So so share with me on that. Absolutely. So the moral side of being in the legislature, one of the things that's really cool is they've actually there's been this shift where they they do view me as a pastor in the legislature. Sure. So I, I opened up the 67th Wyoming legislature in prayer and, and also with, uh, I guess you could call it a mini sermon. Sure. And, and that was, I mean, that's unheard of. Like they, they don't do that. They always pull a pastor in. Well, they did. They pulled a pastor and he just happened to be one of the legislators. And so I had the opportunity to speak in that way. I, our, our Republican caucus, I, I shared a, a message to them as well. So they're opening doors for me to pastor in the legislature. The other thing is there, there was a couple bills we had this last year where I could stand up and say, hey guys, let's think about this from a moral perspective. Sure. And you know what, and I, I, can, I can very clearly speak to the fact that this goes against truth. Sure. And this isn't the role of government. This isn't our job. And, and we were able to see some bills die because of that perspective of, hey, let's just really, let's, let's step out of what we think would be best and let's talk about what is best, sure. what is morally sure. best. And so that's been, that's been really exciting to see that come forward and, and God open those doors in that sphere of me being in that suit and tie concept sure, sure. with the name nameplate on, a name badge on, being able to speak as a pastor. But from the pulpit, it's vitally important that we as pastors speak on truth. That's what we're called. Sure. We're called to be agents of truth, voices of truth in a world that's swirling with lies. And so I think it's vitally important that we, we do that. Now we have to do it in a way that's intelligent. Sure. Um, you can get up there and you can you can vent your frustrations about right. the woke agenda or something like that and, and slow down. Um, then that turns into you on your soapbox and that's going to only burn a church up. Sure. So what I would say is this, when you see things happening in culture that are contrary to scripture, you pull that scripture out and say, Hey, let me just, let me give a little bit of an op-ed here. And we, we read the scripture and then we make the statement. Sure. We can stand up against whatever, yeah, what's whatever going on in our culture yeah, exactly. right now because we have scripture that does. Sure. And so, you know what? It's vitally important that we push our people to vote. It's vitally important that we tell them to make wise decisions and we point them in the right direction to make those wise decisions. Sure. Hey, you know what? These are some good sources. Go do your research. Sure. I'll say stuff like that. Uh, I won't stand up there and go vote for this person and vote for this person right. and vote for that. Well, no, that's not my job. That's their job. But I can sit there and go, hey, you know what? Um, let's walk through this. Let's have these discussions, but let's do it in a way of what's morally right. Where do they stand morally? Sure. And let's line them up that way. 
Uh, so directly addressing situations that are happening, we should, sure. but we should back it with not my opinion, not my political standpoint, uh, not my party line. Um, what does scripture say? And if we can get scripture on our side, we will never go wrong. And, and that's something that's incredibly important for us as pastors to understand. Yeah. And honestly, again, thank you for sharing. I think that, that, um, you know, for me, and I even mentioned this to you on the phone, you know, if we had to, if we had to get personal for a second, I have always been the type to almost uh, be the opposite where I'm like, man, I, I'm very uncertain about the political realm and very uncertain about our obligations there. And, and then I get a chance to interview you and you're like, Hey, I'm kind of on the opposite side of the fence. And, and I'm, I'm here as a Christian, not, not just, you know, making these compromises, but saying, Hey, I want, I want us to be engaged in presenting the gospel. And so, to our listener today, I hope that that's what you caught about the heart of this, is this is not a podcast to tell you, again, what to do, who to vote for, what you should do. But it is it is so important that no matter what, that we as pastors and leaders wrestle with these concepts. Because again, we are all answerable to to how we present the gospel, to what we do with the influence we've gained. And, and if this is a route that, that after prayer, you know, you say, hey, this is this is something I've never thought about before, and maybe I should be more involved— or even if you're a pastor who says, man, I see what you're saying, but I still, it's important for us to wrestle. And so, Pastor Jeremy, I just want to say thank you, man. Thank you so much for kind of being willing to step into this space uh, and kind of uh, lend your perspective to this conversation. Absolutely, Joe. It's it's something I'm passionate about. I believe uh, if, if we don't, if the church in America doesn't wake up to the fact that we have to be the influencers of the next generation, uh, and not just inside the pulpits, sure. not just inside inside the four walls, but uh, in media, in in entertainment, in sure. government, in these areas. If we don't start uh, being that voice of reason, uh, the moral compass, so to speak, of the nation again, uh, we will continue to see the the foundation that we know and love. Uh, be eroded. So uh, I'm passionate about it. Thanks for allowing me to be a part of having this conversation today and, and looking forward to uh, being being more involved in, in this conversation around the country as we move forward and we see more and more of this uh, movement gain speed of, of godly men and women saying, not on our watch, uh, our kids and our grandkids and our great grandkids deserve something so much better than us to sit on the sidelines. Sure. Well, again, from all of us at uh, Rural Advancement, uh, we just thank you for tuning in today. Again, it is our goal every single week to bring you content that is spoken uh, to the rural church, but also from those who get it, from those who are uh, seeking to do God's work wherever they're at. And uh, so for this week, you know, I have been Joe Epple, your host. He has been Pastor Jeremy Haraldson, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.